0: So the pre-list, final touches. This is the part where John spends a lot of time doing is walking the property for the aesthetics of the house. So this is kind of what, you know, Dave was brought up before about landscaping, curb appeal and all those things. This is a time where you want to make sure because we made this mistake at the beginning too. We just looked at the house, just the house. And when we finished, we turn around, we're like, oh shit, there's still a jungle in the backyard. You know, well, that's another three, four grand that we have to spend cutting these trees because they're draped over the house. This one's rotted, you know, things that we weren't taking into account. The fence is falling down. You know, there's holes everywhere. Like these are all things that matter because people, you know, when they go to a house, they don't buy. Oh, but they did new electrical. That's cool. No, they buy the pretty. Right. How does the kitchen look? How does the yard look? How does the front yard look? How does the bathroom look? It's all the pretty stuff. They're not gonna look behind the walls and realize what type of insulation you used. You know, they don't pay for that. They pay for what looks pretty. And that's where, you know, that's one of the things that you do a lot, right? It's making sure, how are the finishing touches? How's everything? Do the doors open and close right? Are they framed right? Um, You know, stupid little things, but it's all important things that matter when the house is getting ready
1: to be listed. you were asking earlier, like, how much does that stuff matter nowadays? And I think it, it drastically matters. You gotta do anything and everything you can to make your house look better than the house next door. So, I mean, like power washing the driveway. It's very simple, very cheap to do, but it makes it nice when somebody rolls up onto the house and sees a nice, clean, uh, freshly power washed driveway. It looks great in the pictures too. Um, so I have, and you're like, you also like painting the, ac- the the front of the house, the accent color of the door to make it pop, make it look different, make it look nice. Then you have like the um, doing landscaping. Landscaping, well, it can be expensive. It makes a huge difference when somebody rolls up on that house and sees black mulch and nice curbing and stuff like that. And I, I see this all the time too. It's like, for God's sakes, mow the lawn. Uh, I don't know how many times I've seen people take pictures of the house and like the grass is overgrown. And then you roll up on the house and it's like knee high. It's like, it doesn't look good. Because when you have people that can roll up like that, I've talked to several agents, they'll walk in a the house, they oh, first impression. I mean, picture worth a thousand words kind of thing where they walk in, they see the, the tall grass, the crummy driveway. And like, eh, this doesn't look good. They didn't really finish that. How many other houses do we got to look at today? Maybe we'll come back to this one. I never will. I was like, they have options. They will go past. So you have to make those details look nice. And like the last two, three years, you didn't need to do that stuff. And it really was even before the pandemic we saw it in like 2019, where you could really start selling stuff and get away with a lot of things. But now, you really got to put the finishing touches. You got to finish the caulking. You got to make the the downtown area. You got to build your wall straight. I don't know how many times I've gone down there and see some of those old historic homes and you walk in and you just see the wall curve as you're walking through the house. So you got to make those finishing touches. What the buyer sees is what they're buying. So you got to do everything you can to make that look the best way and give that first best impression um, as you possibly
0: can. Yeah. It's not just saying, okay, the cabinets are in, the floor is in like no does the floor look good do you should you put a cord around because you know they didn't butt it up close enough to the uh trim or something happened should you caulk a door did you do you need to fix something it's like everything needs to be buttoned up and and one thing we do this too um
1: is like have somebody with fresh eyes walk through the house it's very easy to develop tunnel vision where you go to the same house every single day and you just get you just want to get the job done, move on to the next thing, and then a fresh set of eyes come in here and then for the first time says like, why didn't you finish this? Why doesn't this look good? Whether this door doesn't shut right, it looks it looks weird. Like you just don't even see because you get so used to it. You're going there for a specific purpose, you go in, get that thing done, then you get out. So having fresh eyes go through right before you list or get pictures done is always like a very, very important thing to make sure those things get buttoned
0: up and and uh look nice especially when it's been a long project if it's been a project that's taking you six seven eight months it's very easy to even miss like the walls were painted all messed up right like that happened to us that were that one project we were managing John goes to it and he's like dude what the hell happened to the walls I'm like I don't know they're still up you know and then when I looked at him like he was saying it was just batches everywhere I was like oh that looks terrible you know but You just weren't looking at it. You were looking at whatever that scope was for that day, right? And you forgot all about the walls and you forgot all about those finer things. Um, Pictures, they're very important. Uh, This doesn't mean iPhone pictures. I don't care how nice your iPhone is. You are not a professional person to be taking pictures with. So you want to hire professional pictures because people shop online first. Those pictures is what sells them. You understand? And having a picture of you standing in front of the bathroom mirror taking a picture, that's not good. You don't you don't see much anymore. My favorite one was one of the
1: GoPro's real big. People taking pictures with GoPros, you had the, like the bubble vision yeah. around it and they were using that for those
0: photos. It's like,
1: really? This is a three hundred thousand dollar house and you got bubble vision everywhere? Come on.
0: Yeah, because you, you can't really see you see everything, it looks through a fishbowl, right? So you and they do that because of the wide angle, maybe they're smaller rooms, whatever it is, but it looks terrible. And the quality of the pictures matters we make they edit it so the grass is greener right they edit it so it's like if it was maybe a little overcast they brighten up the sky because it's like when they look at those pictures it's like wow this is a beautiful home now they go to the house with those levels of of like kind of optimism and kind of like what john was saying about when you roll up to a house and it's got a bad curb appeal you now go into the house with a level of pessimism right? Because you, that give you a bad impression. So you go, you can't, you're taking that bad impression into the house and you're looking for things that just don't, you know, what's off, what's not right. But when you come in and you get that nice wow factor from the start, you go with that kind of wow factor throughout the whole house. So it, it kind of fools the mind a little bit and it helps with, uh, with, with getting them to like your house more. Staging is another very important area. We've used staging strategically when there are parts that we know are not as pleasing of the property, so we use staging to direct attention from those areas, right? So it's like, or we've, we've done a house that had just, just a massive room. It's like, what the hell do you do here? It didn't have like a defined space. So we get nice professional staging done. And if they come in, they define each space. So when the homeowner comes and they're looking at the property, they don't have to reimagine what they can do. They They see and it automatically helps them like, I can do that here. That makes sense. This looks pretty, right? Or they might look at an area and be like, oh, I think this living room is too small. But with proper staging, it's like, oh yeah, everything fits. You know, I can make this living room work. So you don't want to leave anything up to their imagination. You want to make sure that you're like, this is what you can do. And then all of a sudden they walk in. It's like, yeah, they had a dining room table there. They had couches. They had a TV. It makes sense, you know, and staging can really help elevate especially when you're trying to get max price it can help you elevate that listing when other properties they are walking to it's just a cold you know renovated house and they walk into you and it looks much warmer because there's some nice picture frames there's some nice couches rugs and stuff like that anything on staging i mean not really it's just how
1: much is staging right now more or less i mean 15 to two thousand, depending on the size of the house how many rooms and stuff you you do i think i think it's where around we pay for like your average three two uh, 1,500, 1,700 square feet. We're doing the kitchens, the bathroom, uh, the master bedroom, and then all the living areas. Um, and it's usually like 1,500.
0: Oh. No, that's what you're paying for. They come, they design it, stage it, and everything. Yeah, yeah. so it's usually like 1,500
1: bucks, 1,700 bucks. And then there, there's usually like some kind of recurring fee for the length of stage and stuff like that. And they'll usually do a pretty good job when they come clean it out. They'll sweep and they'll fill
0: the holes if they put some pictures up and stuff like that. And like John talked about before, when you run comps, you see what the houses are doing in the area and you try to be a little bit better. Sometimes staging is that little bit better. Where if they got two houses to pick from, one is staged and one isn't, yours has a much higher chance of selling because it gave them a much warmer feel when they walked into it. And remember, like people buy on feelings, you know, that's why we own houses. It's not many times it's not the logical decision to make is get into that massive debt on a house that you can't afford right but it's the emotional feeling it's like oh, it made me feel happy to own this right the american dream and it's like yeah you're in debt now so it's you got to play to those emotions and then pricing so this is uh this is all you buddy <laughs> when, it, when it comes to pricing uh, where's my
1: slide on that I mean, it's very data-driven. It's, it's pretty simple, because like whenever we're running comps at the very beginning, we have a price in mind. So we look at the inventory levels, we look how fast the property's moving, what they look like, and then before we put, do the final pricing, when we go, that's exactly what we do, is like look at what something is doing. Know your price point, what the inventory levels are, and what you can do with that. So it's very different, especially now, pricing something at 450000 than 220000 there's no inventory at 220,000. There's a lot of inventory at 450,000. So you really kind of have to understand like when you can push the market and when you can't. So we listed a property in shirts and it was listed for 230,000. We got, went through three separate offers and they kept falling through for other reasons and stuff like that. But they kept, always kept coming in negotiating, saying, "Oh, we'll give you 220." Nope, I'm not taking anything less than 230. Well, we'll take 225. Like, best luck. Uh, I don't even. I'm not even gonna bother to counter. All right, we'll do 230 that happened two times in a row, getting us back up the first time we got an extra $10,000 out of it. The second time was an extra like 7,500 because I knew what the inventory levels and what that price point really did in that area. Cause you draw a big circle around that, there's nothing under 300,000 in that area. So me being at 230, now the house still has to praise for that. So you kind of have to play with those numbers, uh, but you got to know your demand for those areas. So that's always what we do is looking in our neighborhood, looking at our area, looking at our price point, looking at the city and trying to make our best educated guess of what the best way to price that point or price that house is at and that's the kind of really way Do is look at your inventory levels in your immediate area What's selling in that area at that price point because that's your competition? That's what your buyers when they're looking for a house in this area for 350,000 and there's six houses You got to look at those six houses Do I go under them so I can be the one that they go after or do I try to price above them because I have a superior looking house? so I take a very data driven approach to picking the price point for my house. And it's usually based around the inventory and how fast things are moving at
0: that price point in that specific area. And, and I think that's a very important point of like, if there's a lot of days on market, you can flip historic homes still, right? Just price them right. Or understand that they're gonna just sit on the market much longer. So it's like, can you put a superior product at a good price or do you price it lower than everybody else? And it's like, yeah, it's the same as them, but I'm cheaper, right? And you make that adjustment. And that's why it matters when you're running your numbers before you buy it to make sure what are the days on market? Do I need to price it at a discount? So I sell quicker. What's that going to mean for my numbers, right? Just because the comps are up here, doesn't mean that you need to sell up here, right? Because then that's going to take you more time, cost you more money. And the whole goal is to, you know, make as much as possible. Isn't always best. There's a lot of times that we get, you know, good full ask out offer, but the terms, aren't very, very favorable. So what are the things that you kind of look at with? Uh, it, it's, a lot of it is like looking at the, who the
1: lender is going to be. And you'll be shocked of how much information. So a lot of us are agents, the ones that aren't, ask your agent to ask these questions of you. It'll blow you away. The kind of information people will divulge about their clients that they're not supposed to. Lenders are the same way. So basically just leave open-ended questions. Like, well, tell me about your clients. Have you guys been searching for a while? I mean. How bad do they want this house? Especially when they're asking for concessions and things like that. Same thing with the lenders. We've had lenders just like, oh, they uh, They want like 20,000 in concessions. And you ask the lender like, well tell me what's in your lender's, your client's file. Oh, it got a great job, plenty of cash in the bank to, to, to float the loan. Like this is a solid buyer. It's like, thank you. And now I'm gonna counter back and say, you don't need all these concessions. And it gives you a better idea. So when it comes to taking those offers, like when he says like highest isn't always best, you have to understand like, FHA VA is gonna be harder to qualify. I will gladly take a conventional at a little bit lower price than an FHA. When we listed one of that that house and shirts, one of the offers we got was like 15,000 over the asking price, but it was FHA. And I was like, there's no way this house is gonna appraise for that price, which means if that buyer wants to go buy that house, I gotta drop the price to whatever it appraises for But I had a conventional offer competing against it at um, the asking price, like I went with that one because I would have much more confident that that one was gonna close. So those terms and those contracts make a big difference when you're uh, looking at contracts and stuff like that. And like the highest is always best and uh, or isn't always best. And then you
0: wanna make sure that because it's like what you're trying to avoid is that back on market status, right? When you list, you take an offer and then it's back on market. It's like, what happened? That's it. everybody's immediate reaction is like, oh, something's wrong
1: with the house. That now, one thing and we've had this happen twice in the last year, is asking the agent on the other side, the buyer's agent, is your client aware of the payments? Have they seen it? it's happened twice where we made it through option period, like the last day option, they saw what their payment was gonna be, got scared and backed out. So that's a big thing right now is like, do they understand what their payments actually gonna be when they actually go through on this house? Cause you don't, like you said, you don't wanna hit that back on market status. So asking your lenders, um, the, the agents and making, that's one important question that I forgot to mention earlier is to ask them like, they're aware of what their payment's going to be when they buy this house.
0: Yeah, and you spend a lot of time educating a lot uh, the buyers agents because they don't. A lot of buyers agents they don't know what the hell they're doing. We had a uh, somebody give an offer on one of our properties that when we submitted um, the proof of like the foundation work and the transfer warranty, they're like, "Oh, I don't want houses with foundation issues." It's like, well, your agent should have told you that you're in San Antonio. You know, it's like that's. That's not really an option there, buddy.
1: Always, I tell people, there's two types of foundations, the ones that have had foundation work, the ones that are going to need foundation work. (laughs) Like, you're going to have foundation work, probably, unless
0: you're in the hill country. And then, so because of that, you know, it wastes our time as well. So John spends a lot of time educating their buyer, uh, their agent, so the agent can educate the buyer, because the agent has that trust and bond with the buyer. So if you can get that agent to like you and work with you and you bring them value, they'll go to bat for you with their buyer. So they end up working with you, and that's what you want. You want them to work with you so you can close on the deal, right? So you you that's why it matters that you hire a knowledgeable agent. I have a student that recently he put a property on the market for he wants he wants three thirty for the house. They put it on the market for two ninety nine. I was like, kind of the other way there, buddy. And he's like, well, my agent said that you know it can will cause a bidding war. And I'm looking at the comps. I was like, no, none of the houses there have been outbid from what their listing prices were. Like, plus an extra 30 grand of outbidding. uh, I was like, it's not that hot of a market. And what happens is the highest offer they've gotten in so far has been 305. Right? And it's like, you can always price high and come down, but you can't price down and go up. It's not like, psych, you know, that's not 299. It's 219, 319. It's like. That shit ain't going to work. You know, people are not going to feel like they're getting a deal now. So, But the problem is the agent didn't know what the hell they're doing. So getting a knowledgeable agent and not necessarily a cheap agent matters. You want somebody, an agent that knows how to sell the same way you want to partner with an investor that knows how to flip those types of property. You want to partner with an agent that knows how to list those types of properties, right? So we work right now with an agent that he's very knowledgeable in the properties that we have him list. He knows that market inside and out. So if we're missing something, he even comes in and says, hey, you might want to put, you know, shades on this house. You might want to do this. You might want to do that because he knows the buyers are coming in for that property. It helps us sell them much faster. Negotiations. How do you handle that, boss? (laughs) Yeah. Negotiating offers and everything like that.
1: Um, Negotiation is, and like I said, it goes back to the knowing what you have and knowing your market that you're currently in how much bargaining power you actually have so it's like at 450 i'm taking concessions that they give them because they don't offers don't come in that very long at 230 and i get i'm still getting multiple offers i'm gonna push back on that kind of stuff and then really weigh them against each other so when it comes to negotiating that's exactly what i do is knowing the product that you have in the market that we have it so three years ago anything sold that can get any type of financing on it and there really wasn't that much of a a difference to it. But now you really got to understand like what your product is. And it's usually like the more affordable the house is, the better odds that you're going to have that you can get a bidding war and kind of push each other against it. But like you want to avoid that back on market with all costs. So you can push a little bit, but don't push too hard on um, when you're getting offers like that. So that's uh really how I kind of handle the negotiations is just like knowing my product and how, because you're the one that's in your financial position. And it's like, how long do I want to hold this? And how much do I want to push to try to get this? Or if you're kind of like on the brink of like, man, I, I really need to get rid of this house, but I don't want to take that that offer yet. It's like, if you're having those thoughts,
0: just take the offers and, and move on to the next project. And don't be so uh, emotional about your property, right? Where if you're getting all these buyers coming in and they're all kind of giving you a very general consensus and you're like, no, I know I can get this. It's like, look, you know, maybe Take this analysis, take this data, and you might have to take a hit on this, right? Because the market is kind of telling you you were wrong. Uh, Listen to the market, because the more you hold out, usually the worse those offers get. You understand? Because you're also holding on to the property. If you borrowed private money, hard money, anything of the sort, it's costing you more. Houses don't like to sit vacant. They hurt themselves, right? Things start going wrong in the house. Somebody breaks into the house. Something happens. You don't want to be sitting with a house that's freshly renovated, just sitting vacant. You know, it costs you a lot more money that way. So inspections. Inspections are, you know, always fun to deal with. So a trick that we learned many, many years ago is leave something very noticeable for the inspector to catch. Because if you leave something very noticeable, very big, then when they give you all the other little shit, you say, no, but I'll give you this, which was already factored in. Because inspectors, it doesn't matter if you have a brand new house, everything is brand spanking new up to code, they're still gonna find something. That's their freaking job, is to just be a pain in our ass. So you wanna make sure that you're always leaving something on. And do you handle inspections any other way as far as like they flag something that you believe it to be a bullshit? My favorite things to leave undone is like labeling electrical panels.
1: They always ask for that stuff and I just don't label it until the very end. Because like you said, it makes it nice that everybody wants some form of negotiation. Uh, to go and they want to feel like they're getting something so it's like there's little things that you just kind of leave undone And then just know you're gonna give that to get away some of the other smaller stuff um, I, The air conditioners I service it right before the uh, Inspector goes because though you'll get a ping or something like that the inspection's done to say This day I get my guy go over there and service the air conditioner That same day because they don't want to go through and get like a really crummy old air conditioner and flagged, And then they start drawing attention to the ACs, because, I mean, it's Texas, it's hot, they break, you don't want to have to drop that in your listing the very last time. Basically, like a service, just a service. Yeah, just a normal service, to make sure it's up to, up top, running, cleaning, and, and stuff like that, because all uh, that's usually always going to show up in an inspection anyways, uh, or um, an ask in an inspection report, because a lot of times home warranty companies will try to get out, uh, of making repairs, because they'll say that's a pre-existing condition. So they want to show that, no, it was just serviced and working properly before we bought the house. So I always do it kind of right there at the time of the inspection, because even though like they will still ask for it and then they'll say it's still wrong. It's like, it was done the day the inspector went there or the day before, like it's running perfectly, but they're still going to flag something on it and they're still going to ask for it. So I always just have it done the day before to make sure it's running cool because I've had it before when they go to look at a house like, Hey, the AC wasn't running today. And it's like, oh shit. Luckily that was during pandemic. So they didn't care. But uh, make sure that air conditioner is up and running in the summertime and running well um, when they go through that initial house. Um, And uh, I kind of put it as you and that other agent are on the same side and try to win over that other agent too. And explain to them, like, we know what things cost if you're flipping houses. Just kind of work with that buyer. Explain to them, like, hey, it doesn't cost that much to do these things. You guys are both on the same side. You want to get paid. for selling the house. They want to get a commission win over the other agent and they'll try to go win their job is to go sell their client so don't be try to get too combative with that agent at all possible try to win them over so they'll go sell
0: that client yeah because buyers to them you know you didn't put a door in the pantry right to them it's like i don't know whether that's going to cost 1500 dollars to put a door in you know like they they have no perception of the cost of things to them any little thing that they have to do it's already a big turnoff. They just want to be able to buy the house, open the door, hang their clothes in the closet and be done. Right? Like they don't want to be buying a house that they have to go and do work to, especially when they're paying for retail. So you want to make sure that those are the things that like don't have your, your, you know, when he works with agents is to not have those buyers overthink something that's very simple to solve. And lastly, low appraisals. So that, it,
1: yeah, especially right now you're starting to see that stuff because they don't want to be the one that appraised that house And all of a sudden that person gets foreclosed on uh, that that can look bad on them So you got to realize with the low appraisal comes in You're not going to get thirty thousand dollars out of it Because then that's admitting to the appraiser that like they didn't do a good job And no appraiser likes to be told what to do by a real estate agent because they have to be I mean, it's a much longer process to become an appraiser than it is to become a real estate agent so when you're trying to combat those, you have to keep it very factual and you have to understand. So I always tell, it baffles me how many people don't understand like what actually appraises and actually drives value in a house. And um, when you're combating those things, you got to keep it very factual to the things that actually drive value. And that's overall condition. And they, can, they can't give you $50,000 for condition because I've seen houses that are like, like, we walk in and it's like this house is completely dated and I got a freshly brand new house that costs $50,000, and they only give you $10,000 for that. Pools, only give you like ten, 000, fifteen thousand $15,000. They don't give you the $80,000 that they can cost uh, in value. So you can get small adjustments. I think I've gotten like four or five, $6,000 in adjustments before, but not very often. And it's very small amounts that we can get those extra little bumps, but you have to give uh, factual statements to it. And you have to be very, very polite. Don't go in there it's like, how can you be so dumb not to take this thing? It's, it's, they're just going to turn you down right away. Say, I'd like you to reconsider, uh, with all respect, due respect, I'd like you to consider these few things and give them something that they can use to potentially give your house that higher value, whether it be a different comp that might be a little better that they, they missed, or a line item that says, like, hey, I have a different style of deck than this guy has over here. And they don't have to do it at all. They can say, nope, sticking to my value. I had a guy one time, like, I had a nice brand new wooden deck and he didn't give any concession for that to my house for a house that just had the one-by-one the one concrete pavers dropped on the dirt. He said, in his mind, those were equal. And I was just like, son of a bitch. Uh, the siding, same thing. You can put nice cement fiberboard all the way around it and they might have that old 1980s like fiberboard stuff. It would cost $10,000 to reside this entire house. He's like, it doesn't matter to me. It's It's got siding on it, like brick siding. Uh, unless they can find us, specific reason that says every single one of these houses had brick siding, sold more from every single one of these houses that didn't, and it's like, and that's gonna be very hard to determine because it, do, it doesn't always say like, everyone says, oh, there's four bedrooms worth more than three bedrooms. Not always, I've had plenty of times, one stories, two stories, they've all get in the kind of mix. Um, they have to find a specific reason that you can say every single one of these four bedrooms sold higher than every single one of these three bedrooms and they were equal square footages, so the only difference between these two houses was that extra bedroom. And that's what drove the value. So you kind of have to keep it to those kind of things understand what they can do within those appraisals. You've got to really remember that you're telling them they did a bad job and you want to be reconsidered for something higher to help you out more. So you have to be very polite when you approach that situation and they keep it very factual that they might be able to say, oh yeah, I did miss that. I'll readjust the value. With that said, that's it. So any questions?